Right, welcome back to the podcast, Steve Asali Study. We have a part two with this winner, entrepreneur, businessman in front of me, Mr. Mark Wright. Thank you very much for your time and I'm looking forward to a part two. Stephen, I don't come back many times. Thank you so much for having me. And first of all, congratulations with, first of all, your office here is unbelievable. That's changed a lot. The podcast is doing unbelievable numbers. And and as we're just saying off the podcast is, I do a lot of these and um, yours is the number one that gets mentioned to me on the street, in the gym, wherever I am. So um, you're obviously doing great things and speaking to the audience, so thank you. I really appreciate those, those kind words. And um, we're obviously in our new 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 building. Woodbury House has got a new home yeah. in Mayfair. Um, I know you're not typically from the art market, but coming in for the first time, walking around, seeing Black the Rat, stencil art up on the wall, what was your initial opinion? Well, I'm a big believer in you've got to be where you want to be fake it till you make it that's what i've always been when i came to this country and i had no money i wore suits i wore expensive watches i looked like a successful businessman till i became a successful businessman when i came to your office here today you come off savile row you see all the expensive houses shops uh, successful wealthy people and you see your business you look successful the art looks great. You walk in here, you feel better. Um, and you're attracting the people who you want to sell to. The art just blew me away. I mean, I'm, as you say, not an art person. I came in, it looks cool, looks like street art. And all of a sudden, you're telling me some of the prices and I'm thinking, I could go for this stuff. So I just, congratulations on having the guts and the balls to take a risk to get a firm in this area because I know what the rent would be and I know the risk that takes and the courage that takes. But also it makes me think more of you as a businessman and it makes me understand what your vision is and how good this art must be. So, you know, if you're not where you want to be, they say the best thing you can do is change your environment. You've changed your environment and I bet you your success will be a thousand times greater this year. It, it definitely is so far it's been it's been a uh, it's been stepping outside the comfort zone we had a lot of success in soho um we could have easily stayed there but you know what life is about living it's about pushing the boundaries it's about 10x in to yeah. take a quote from mr grant cardone and you know what nothing ventured nothing gained but i think the clients the collectors the fanatics deserve woodbury hell house stepping stepping things up every so often mate if you're going to spend 50 grand at least on art you need to be in the in this hot spot this is where people come to spend that sort of money and um congratulations on taking that step thank you so um i've got down here 16th of march 2022 where has that time gone that's when we've done the first podcast in that time period there's a lot of change a lot of change yeah with not just me, not just you, but the economy, the environment, social media, there's a lot of things to talk about, but let's focus on you. You've boxed yeah. since I last, last saw you. Yeah. You've become a dad. Yeah. And if I could say to, to William. Yes, correct? of course. And you've sold your business. Yes. So I'm going to talk about the thing that I probably will resonate with <laughs> the most, which is going to be the business. Yeah. And then we could talk about your boxing match and also being a, being a dad. Yeah. I'm going to read this quote. Yeah. Okay. Tell me. This is from the sun. So okay. it's probably not the best, <laughs> best place, not the best place to get your quote from, but I'm just going to regurgitate what they said. Tell so this, me. This what did they say? 23rd of March, 2023, which is recently. Yeah. And, and I'll read it. Your hire, the apprentice rich list, from fired star now worth 13 million so anyway i'll I'll skip it to this part 
Mark won the £250,000 investment prize for Mr. Lord Allen Sugar mm-hmm. in 2014. He then started a digital marketing agency called Climb and Lime. Yep. Last year, Mark sold the business for ten million pounds. <laughs> Did you sell your business for ten million pounds? Well, by uh, contract, I'm not allowed to say, but I would say it's pretty close to that. Um, and as we said, in and and the and the son were desperately trying to find out how much, um, and uh, their research is pretty close. What I will say is, I came here and I had 173 pounds. I won that TV show. And I never know or knew what would happen as the winners of those shows. You watch X Factor, you watch all these shows, Apprentice, Dragon's Den, and you think, what actually happens next? Do they actually go on to be successful? But that show gave me 250 grand, which at the time to me was a lot of money. But the best thing was the PR from the show was ridiculous. It made me like semi-famous for a while, just going on that show, blew up my social media. It gave me mentoring from Alan Sugar for eight and a half years. His contacts, connections, business magnates, sitting in board meetings, looking at million pound deals, billion pound deals. And those connections mixed with the mentoring, mixed with the investment, created me a great company. That company then sold and every entrepreneur should aim to sell their business. A lot of people don't plan for sale and then they die in their inbox and their family inherit a mess or it goes bankrupt. You need to plan to sell. We always plan to sell. We got a great offer. The average marketing company sells for two times EBITDA. We sold for nine and a half times EBITDA and I'll tell you how we did that later on. But the journey was incredible. These TV shows, if you go on there to be famous, you'll become nothing. If you go on there with a purpose to get profile, to create a business, to create a name for yourself, you can do it if you do it in the right way. And I think I managed that process well and I used it for what it was and I understood it for what it was. But uh, yeah, I sit here now with a few extra quid in my pocket and wondering what's next. So in theory, the moment that millions of pounds landed into your bank account because of all the hard work, all the sacrifice, all the graft, all the dedication, all the positive thinking, all the planning, all the execution, was receiving millions of pounds a blessing (laughs) or a curse? I don't think it was either a blessing or a curse. When I was a young man, all I wanted to do was be rich and open my bank account and see millions of pounds. That's all I wanted because I was poor. I didn't have any money. And I thought that success meant having money. I thought having a fast car, having a big house, doing all these things meant success. When I saw that number in my bank account, it was the best and worst day of my life because I felt empty. I didn't feel how I thought I was going to feel. And what I realized is what you do every day, coming into work, working with people, doing what you love is what gives you purpose. And purpose is happiness. Purpose is success. If, if your purpose creates wealth, great. And the better you are at something and the more of an expert you are at something, that is success and that brings more money. People want to buy things from experts. People want to buy things from people they know, like, and trust. The more you become an expert, the more money you'll make. 
I didn't realize that when I started, I just wanted to make money. But I, when I got into my business, the, the passion and the purpose came from the customers, the people building the brand, getting in, getting my suit on, going into the office every day. That's what was success for me. But that's what I didn't realize when I started out. So when now I've got this money, it's like, I now go to do something. I haven't got a team. I haven't got a PA. I haven't got a PR. I haven't got a team. Oh, that's, I haven't got customers. And all of these people were just giving me so much purpose. And that's been a great lesson to learn is it's don't chase the money. The money will come. Chase what makes you happy and gives you purpose every day because you'll live a longer life. You'll live a happier life and you'll have the money as a byproduct. That word purpose has been brought up in his very room recently a few times because it's not only the podcast studio but it's also a a boardroom where we catch up with the sales team operations and and obviously uh, my business partner etc and the message that i would always say to a salesperson is if you're getting into sales whether you're selling watches cars you're selling real estate you're selling art there needs to be a purpose but an overlapping purpose you've got to have the purpose of becoming an expert in your field yep delivering value to yep. your to your client so in this case a collector someone trying to build a portfolio of the best street artists in the in 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 their genre in their chosen genres yep and you need to talk to them about the narrative different styles different period periods in in history and the reasons why they've cultivated this movement so that's the that's the first purpose the second purpose is if you're just trying to sell these people pieces of art and make a commission, you might get so far, but I think it will be shortly lived. You now need to sandwich that person with for your, your collector with your own purpose in life. Yes. The reason why you want to make that sale to make that person happy and to make commission because that commission will go on to X, which could be another business. It could be building assets. It could be building a podcast. It could be building... I think when you got those two things overlapping each other, your purpose for your customer's purpose, I think you can go to the moon and back. I love that. And people always ask me how I'm so motivated all the time. The answer is I'm not motivated all the time, but I'm motivated more than most. And I'm more successful than most and my companies are more successful than most because I understand that a company and a person has to have a purpose and a plan. If you go out on the high street right now on Savile Row here and ask people, what, why do you go to work in the morning? Nine out of 10 people won't be able to tell you. You walk into nine out of 10 businesses out here and ask, what, what's your goals for this business? They won't be able to tell you. How in the heck can you motivate yourself or your staff or your customer customers if you don't know what you're looking to achieve or what your business is looking to achieve and if any business out there is struggling go back sit down start with a pen and paper and think why did i start this business why do i want to achieve what do we provide our customers that no one else does and if you understand that purpose and what you're trying to achieve you'll sell more you'll make more money and you'll build a better brand really quickly love love that answer so, sir or Lord, Alan yes. Sugar, your business partner, now you sold the business, is he no longer your business partner? He is no longer my business partner. He calls himself my English dad, um, which I don't know if it's a compliment or not. Um, but we sold the business in November, first week of November last year, and he's been emailing me more since we sold than when we were in uh, business. He sent me two other business ideas. I mean, the guy is like 
uh, nearly 80 years old and he is just on it with the emails. So he sent me other ideas, connections to other people, some businesses that he's looking to do, some connections that he knows needs help with their businesses. So he's been sort of still keeping me under his wing in a certain in a certain way. But it's also a great opportunity for me because I was with him eight and a half years. I feel that he's been a great mentor. I've learned so much from him that it's really... I've now got the knowledge and the money to go and do whatever I want to do. And that's really exciting as well. Do you know, um, a, bit of a bit of a question, and it's probably I'm filling some, some answers for myself, because as I mentioned to you earlier, Woodbury House is the same brand, but coming into this gallery actually feels like a new business. Definitely. Because it's a new premises, we've got new artists, we've got new processes, we've got slightly new team, team members. So all those things combined, it gives it a... a a new feel and there's new things to learn yeah okay when you when you won the apprentice yeah you built built up your profile as you said in your own words you were semi or locally pretty well known and and and, and famous yeah um then you were given an investment of two hundred fifty thousand pounds and you had a business partner that could open up his black book yeah to his whole whole network yeah but with all that in mind, was there a part of your journey into the eight and a half years as, 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 as a partnership with Lord Alan Sugar? Was there ever a moment you thought, oh my God, this shit is about to crash. It's going to crumble down. Or was it always going to be a success? Uh, <clears throat> the answer is twofold. It's a really good question. And uh, I'll tell you why. When you start any business for the first two years, you feel like you're going to fail every week. That's just called starting a startup business. It is so hard. 95% of businesses fail in the first five years. Starting a business is really tough. And I'd never start a business again. I'd never start a new business again from scratch. I'd only buy a business because a business that's been successful for a long period of time and you buy, it's called buy and build. You have a much greater chance of scaling quickly and being successful quickly, making higher profits. But I'm glad I've started so many businesses from scratch to have that experience. But to answer your question, we had so many ups and downs. And it's like that graphic you always see on Instagram of like the road to success. You think it's straight up, but it's sort of up and down. We had lawsuits of us getting sued, us suing people. We had big customers come, big customers go. I had big fights with Alan Sugar, massive fights where I thought our partnership was going to end multiple times. His brand of mentoring is ruthless, 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 tough brand of mentoring. And it's, it's between all of those things, there was days where I thought, I can't go back in tomorrow. I'm fucked. I'm shattered. I'm stressed. Is it worth it? I asked myself all of those questions all the time, like all business owners do, but I just kept going. I just kept going. I just got the next customer, I just got the next employee, I got the next office. And I look back over the course of the eight years and I had a massive company. And I'd look back now at the person I was, someone sent me a photo of me at a festival in Manchester 11 years ago. I can't even tell it's me in the photo because I've changed so much as a person. I've learned so much as a person. I can't even visually recognize myself. I know the person in the photo is me, but the way I look, the way I'm holding myself, the sunglasses, the people around me was a very different person to the person I am today. And that changed slowly, 1% a day for eight and a half years. 
I'm a different person. My wealth is different. My circle is different. I speak different. I conduct myself different. And even coming here today, you're different. I walked in here, the way you hold yourself, the, pr- the pride of the way you showed me around this office to the way you showed me around the last one, different experience. And that's because you know it's great up there. You know this environment's sick. You know the art is sick. Now, go back to a bad environment. Imagine if you downgraded, you moved it into the middle of nowhere to save money on rent. Would you have toured me around with the same pride? Absolutely not. Think about that. Your environment determines your success. Definitely, definitely. Um, So I've heard in other interviews, uh, Alan Sugar, there's loads of different uh, ways to describe the man. I think he's a genius. I think he's bullish. I think he's the epitome of an old school businessman. And I love that. And I like people that are very direct, even though it can hurt people's feelings sometimes. I think if you're direct, like a good fighter, someone that's coming forward all the time, you just know exactly where you stand with that person. And, 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 And again, sometimes that might rattle certain individuals, but at least you know where you and that person stand and where the business is heading. But I heard you say this, um, you've quoted someone before that he's a hand grenade ready to go off yeah. in a boardroom. Yeah. What does that mean? What does it, what does it mean that Lord Alan Sugar is a hand grenade? I've never met anyone like Alan Sugar in my whole life. In 33 years, I know I look great for that age, I've never met anyone like him in my life. And what do I mean by that? I've been in hundreds of meetings with him, hundreds. And he would pretty much lose the plot in 100%, 99% of the meetings. And I heard a quote from someone that said, being in a meeting or a board meeting with Alan Sugars, like being in a meeting with a grenade where someone's let the pin up, you know it's going to go off. You're just waiting for when. And it was the most brilliant quote that summarizes him because he is the master of controlling an environment. If the meeting's getting out of order, he feels he's losing control of the room, he just goes spare he just goes ballistic over some minor detail a thousand pounds a color you know there was um i remember once a website had that um gibberish that goes on it the holding text that you put on it the latin that goes on a website that shows you where text is going to go because one of his websites had that latin storage text in there he went psycho And it was like so out of order, but so powerful because everyone in the room was just focused and listening. And it is a very weird style of mentoring or brand of mentoring because he's so tough on you. And I always think if Alan Sugar was to come through and start his career today, would he be as successful with this tough brand of, you know, with all this woke stuff that's going on, the way he speaks, how ruthless he is, how he pushes people, would that work today? And I don't know the answer to that because some of his previous apprentices have sued him for constructive dismissal, have quit, have left his mentoring really quickly, not lasted, you know, even a year or or, or several months. I saw it as the best mentoring and the best opportunity ever other people see it as bullying. And that's the, that's the world we live in today is I see this as, wow, I'm learning from a billionaire master businessman. This is the best mentoring. Another person goes, he's bullying me. I'm taking him to the tribunal. Isn't that really interesting? Your perception determines how you view how you're being treated and where your success goes. And um, I'm really look back at my time with him and I'm all I am is grateful. 
Is it again going back to the boxing an analogy? If you're boxing for the first ever time, or you're boxing on a big stage where might be your pro debut, might be the British champion, or it might be a world title, and all the spars, all the training's all been done, and you've 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 gone through it relatively easy, or nothing's been a surprise, and one boxer's ready to go out. They're getting nervous, they're getting sweaty, you know, their palms are literally sweating, they, they're becoming a bit delusional. And then they say to themselves, I'm having a nervous breakdown. Then the other guy is getting ready, or female, and they're getting ready for the fight and they're sweating. They're, they've got all the same symptoms and, they go, and he goes, I'm ready. Yeah. This is the feeling I'm ready. And it's so funny about perception and, and how things are subjective. One person might see something as, being rude, being obnoxious and being a bully. And other people saying, no, this is motivation. This is inspiring. This is educational. This is mentoring. So would you say that most people, when they meet Alan Sugar for the first time, would they say he's a bully or he is motivational? I think it's going to come down to that person. And unfortunately, in today's world, I'd say most would say he's a bully. And the successful people would say he's a mentor. And it all depends what you're trying to achieve in your own life to what is reflected in you. And that's why the people in your closest circle, the five people you associate the most with, is so important who those people are. Because I've got friends that if I went and told them what Alan Sugar had said to me or what had happened in a board meeting would say, you shouldn't be in that environment. You know, you shouldn't be spoken to like that. You know, is that good for you? Is that good for your health, being around that type of person? And my friends who are in business, successful guys, powerful guys, they would say, fuck yeah, that's awesome. Imagine how much you're learning. Take notes, write a book. This is this is what it's all about. Because they understood, you know, to create uh, diamonds, you need pressure. That, that They understood that. So that's why it's really careful who you talk to. The worst people you can speak to about business or success is your mum and dad, your family, the people in your close circle, because they love you. They don't want to see you upset. They don't want to see you get hurt. Oh, I'm going to fight again. You don't need to fight again. You've already been successful. You fought. You fought at a high level. They don't want to see you get hurt. I'm going to start another business. Do you need to take that risk? Oh, I'm going to loan money. Oh, that's a lot of risk. Have the economy, interest rates, all of this. Be careful who you talk to about your success. Keep your circle close. Keep it small. Make sure those people are like-minded and successful themselves. Have a look at your friends that you speak to, that you hang around and you go for a beer with. Do an audit and look at them and think, would I want to be that person in five years? If the answer is no, get them the fuck out of your life. If the answer is yes, keep them in your circle because that will determine your success really quickly. And when you start feeding back about how your mentor or coach is being with you, and by the way, if you want to be successful in business, you need a mentor or a coach, just like in boxing, just like in sport. But when you ask for advice, you're going to get it from your right, your coach, your mentor, and your friends and family, then you're good to go. Listening to the previous podcast that we did, we touched on sales and yes. I'm still a believer that being 37 years of age now and being going around the block a few times in, in the business world, making a ton of mistakes, looking at very successful individuals, looking at probably the most successful person that I know in, in care homes and developers and all kinds of different, different, different aspects. Um, it comes down to that transfer of enthusiasm and also transferring over your message, basically becoming a great sales individual. Yep. And when I see some big personalities on The Apprentice over the years, 
they always stand out to me as these great, you know, phenomenal salespeople. Yeah. And I think you're a great salesperson. Thank you, very much. You, you You clearly are. I mean, even here, like... I'm even getting a bit of a boost just because of the way you deliver stuff, and that's that's <laughs> that's that's the inner salesperson in you, I believe. Yeah, and you're very articulate, etc. If you were to go head to head with an apprentice a candidate, yeah, Tom Skinner, yeah. he's a really good salesperson. I yeah. mean, clearly he's built up this profile. Yeah, who would win in the selling competition, Mark Wright or Tom Skinner? Uh, t- Tom's not in my league, and I'll tell you why he's not in my league. And He's also welcome to box me in a fight. I saw his last fight, and if that wasn't a setup, I don't know what a boxing setup is. And and in sales, and I like Tom a lot. This is not a dig at Tom. When Tom is selling to you, you know he's selling, and therefore is his biggest problem. I saw sales, and I believe at my core I'm a salesman, and I used to tell people I'm a salesman with so much pride you think I was a doctor. The same way people say I'm a physician or a doctor, that's how I treat sales. I'm so proud of being a salesman. I've studied being a salesman. I've studied the art of sales in so much depth that it's ridiculous. Great salespeople, how to sell, how to communicate, whatever it is. And here's what I understand it ought to be at the core. Understanding who's sitting across from you and what they need and being able to tailor whatever it is. And we touched on this in our, in our last uh, podcast and being able to wrap your product or your service up to fit what that person needs in their life or their business. Now, what I'm able to do is do that without you knowing that I'm doing it. And it's the great salespeople that there's very few that are able to do that. And if you look at Companies House and my business success and some people, uh, you know, from The Apprentice or whoever, look at Companies House and look at their numbers, you'll see who the better salespeople are. And if you are getting sold to and you think this person's a good salesman, that means they're not. If you just hand over your money and you don't even realize what happens... That's a good salespeople. Great salespeople make you feel something, and it's generally motivation. If you end come in to buy something from me, you'll finish that conversation happy and motivated about your own life and your own business. And what you've understood is whatever I've just sold to you is going to help you achieve that. Now, if you can master that, and it takes some time, but if you can master that, your business success will go like that. And it's only then a it's only then a question of how high do you want to take it. Agreed. Agreed. You touched on something there, which I need to drill into. Go for it. So you're telling me that you would go toe-to-toe <laughs> with Tom Skinner in a boxing match. What What do you think? What do you think of his boxing? Um, I didn't actually watch it. Okay. Okay. Listen, I, I messaged him and said, when are we sparring? No reply. And uh, I think the silence was deafening. Um, and... Uh, I love a challenge. I think Tom's a great guy. I went to the F1s with him at Silverstone. He's a lovely guy. He is a good salesman. But um, we're talking about the National League or League Two versus the Premier League. Um, and that's a bit of a different different skill set. Another big profile that I feel like has come off the back end of The Apprentice is uh, Jose, uh, Joseph Valente. Mm-hmm. Um, good salesperson or not? I've never seen him sell. I, I don't know. Um, he is uh, an interesting firebrand of an individual. I, I like Joseph. I get on with him. I, again, the same with Tom. I get on with these guys because I understand them. Um, 
but I, I can't comment to his his sales ability. But any good salesman would sit here and tell you that the best. And I know out of any, you could sit here and name any name, and I'm going to tell you I'm the best salesman. You could sit here and name any name. I'm going to tell you I'm the best businessman. You could sit here and name any name. I'll tell you I'm the best marketer. I have built up self-confidence through practice, through experience, and I believe I'm the best at what I do. And that motivates me to get out of bed in the morning and it motivates people to work with me. People mistake that for arrogance, but the more self-confidence you can get, the more people will follow you and you can't become successful on your own. You need a team. The biggest mistake business people make is trying to become successful on their own. The biggest mistake business people make is trying to become successful on their own. You can't do it alone. You couldn't build this place alone. You need people who are experts. You need people with money. You need people who are passionate about the same sector. And you need people who can run the business when we're tied up doing whatever it is that we're doing. And the more you can communicate, the better you can communicate. And the more you believe in yourself, the more people will follow you. And the biggest thing that holds most people back is self-confidence. They don't believe in themselves enough. They don't think success is owed to them. They don't think success is due to them. So they have trouble leading people. You don't want to work for someone who doesn't believe in the business, doesn't believe in themselves. So I will sit here and tell you I'm the best at anything you throw at me because I genuinely believe I'm the best. Now, maybe that's not true, but I don't need to know that. In my world, it's what matters to get me to where I need to go. Last note on The Apprentice, um, this year's winner, 2023, yeah. is a lady called Marnie Swindells, I believe her name is. Yep. Um, I don't know loads about her, but what caught my eye is, again, the energy, the enthusiasm, the sales person or characteristics. But then more importantly for me, she's a gold medalist boxer. Unbelievable. How like, okay, Number one, did you watch her win The Apprentice? No, I didn't. I and didn't watch you, it this have year. Have you got any thoughts about her? Or you don't. You you know nothing about this. I lady? know absolutely nothing. I didn't watch the show this year just from being too 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 darn busy. To be completely honest with you, but I do know the lady who won it. I'm, I, I've seen her on social media, and it looks like a great business. She looks like she knows her stuff, and she actually looks like she can box really well, like really really well. I saw her doing some pad work, um, and she looks like she really understands her sector. I know where she's talking about opening some of her her studios and her gyms so um and i think it's a great industry i think you know fitness is booming i think boxing is going through you know just a fantastic period as well i think it's a great industry to get involved with so i think it's a good choice of business but i can't speak to her and and her knowledge okay fair enough knowing that she's a boxer and you having a double into the boxing world yeah i think we touched on this last time but the connection between boxing and business mm -hmm. how similar are they completely similar chess boxing business uh there's a huge link between military training and semi-professional or professional sport and successful business people and that comes down to discipline focus and the ability just to keep focused on a goal until it's achieved and the biggest problem that leads to people failing in business is ill discipline basically they're all over the place they're not focused they have no goals they don't know what they're trying to achieve it gets tough and they quit 
That's generally a most person's business journey, where if you come from a sporting background, you understand you're going to lose. You're going to understand the training is really hard and you're not going to want to do it a lot of the times, but you do it because you've got to get to your goal. And that with military training and with sporting prowess, a semi-professional, professional sport, gets you to the goal. So people that then step into the business world, it gets tough and they think, well, this is just like boxing. I hated training, but I knew I had to do it. And I always know before I go into business with someone or before I hire a senior executive, I prefer to train with them because if I train with you, I'm going to know exactly how you're going to be in the business when it gets tough. And I'll know in the middle of a session if I'm going to want to hire you or I'm going to not want to work with you. And we did a tough mutter with all of my senior executives last year. And it was fascinating. And it was bad for the executives who did it with me because I saw who they were at their core when it got tough. One of our top executives we were running, and he was he's not a fit guy, he's, he's not in great shape, but he's a really good businessman. And as it got tough, even though he's not in great shape, he has bad knees, he has bad hips, he pushed himself to run the entire time in horrendous pain. He did every obstacle, he helped others. And by the end, I'm thinking, I know I've made the great choice putting that person as managing director. Another guy, senior executive, he got tired. He cut across the course, cut two Ks off the course. He walked most of the way, he complained about the conditions. I just thought, I don't want you in my business anymore. And it was amazing because I just saw when it got tough, who these people were at their core. If you train with someone, you'll know what they'll be like in business. Take a look at their car. How do they keep their car? How do they keep their house? All of these things are a reflection. If you can't go and wash that mug correctly in the sink and put it back in the cupboard, how can you run a 100 million pound business if you can't even wash your mug correctly? How you do anything is how you do everything. And how you perform under pressure in sport will show you how you perform under pressure in business. So I always ask people and they find it weird, come and do Tough Mudder with me. Come for a run with me. Come down the gym with me. They don't realize this is the job interview. I can teach any dope digital marketing, but what happens when I put a bit of pressure under you? What happens when I light that fire? Because you come and put pressure on me, I become a different person. Ah, oh, we're in my world now. This is, this is tasty. You punch me in the mouth now, we're going to have a really good podcast. Because <laughs> I, um, I think I might have, might have said this to you before, but certainly once or twice on the podcast, many, many years ago when, we, when I had a, a different sales business altogether, we used to be on the second or third floor. And when the candidates came in to get hired or a job interview, there was the lift and there was the stairs. And I used to, without question, just start walking up the stairs and they used to follow me. And I, was, I always used to talk to them on the way up just to see how they were dealing with the stairs. It was, you know, a few flights of stairs. I mean, if you're a little bit unfit, you would feel it. If you're really unfit, you would have to stop halfway. And I would always used to listen to hey, um, can we get the lift? Amazing. And, and it was the first sign to me that I knew that these people weren't going, to be, weren't going to be right. And I remember taking this lady upstairs once and she was so out of breath, probably by just the first uh, flight, she stood on the side and said, she didn't get my breath. And I know this is going to sound shallow to a lot of people, but I knew, I knew at that moment, you're not right. You're just not right. Because if you can't even get up a few flights of stairs, how can you be up on your feet every single day? Not going to happen. Trying to promote the brand, trying to promote the system, trying to promote the service and the value to a client. You're not going to do it. So therefore, 
that was the first test and see if they used to moan and stuff. So that totally resonates I love me. that so much because it's not, and of course we understand there's different varying in fitness. Nothing is a fitness test when I work out or you did the stair test. I just want to see your mindset when you start to struggle, what happens next? Do you complain, oh, I don't want to go up these stairs, can we take the lift? Or we're here now, let's just get it done. I might be uncomfortable, comfortable, it doesn't matter. But it's that inner conversation that most people are having with themselves that they cannot control. They just get in a place where it gets tough and the first thing they do is look for the exit. And I don't want to work with those people because business is really tough. And I don't want people looking for the exit all day. I need people who are hunkered down working with me to find success. I think it's a great segue to move into um, the mindset, the culture, the the emotions that a lot of people are feeling these days. Maybe not because they initially felt it, it's because society has told them they should feel this kind of way. And mm. I'm not saying everybody, and mm. I'm not saying every circle, and I'm not saying every peer group, but it feels like there's a bit of a new wave of a snowflake era, <laughs> if I'm being totally honest. Yeah. And I'm fortunate enough to not only be a little bit older than some people, 37, still not old, but you know, a little bit old enough to recognize how life used to be to how it is right now. I still like to think I've got the old school kind of mindset. I've also done boxing, which has helped, helped that as well. And I like to train, etc. I feel like the media, I feel like school teachers, I feel like society now, the moment that things get a little bit tough, in business, in personal life, emotions, in your mind, etc., they allow you to have these excuses. Mm -hmm. Do you think that majority of people now are weak and do they have excuses? The vast majority, and it's getting worse and worse and worse. And I turn on the news or I uh, hear things on the radio or I see things on podcasts and I cannot believe the world that we're living in. And it feels like since COVID or just before COVID to now, it's exacerbated a hundredfold where everyone feels they should get something for nothing that you don't have to invest anything to get a high salary. You should be in management. You should have a good salary. You shouldn't have to work hard. Uh, you should be able to work from home. And what I saw in my business was this. When I first started interviewing people, they would come in, they'd wear a suit. They were 15, 20 minutes early. They were prepared. They'd analyzed our website, case studies, testimonials of their work. Now, when I last, before I sold my business, people were coming in, it felt like they were interviewing me. How many days do I need to come into the office? Oh, on Thursdays, I want to bring my dog in. And um, what's for lunch? What does the chef provide for lunch in, uh, on, in the mornings? Mate, there ain't no chef here. You can't bring your dog in because that's just fucking crazy. How much work are you going to get done if your dog's there? <laughs> um, and they thought I was the weird one. And then this like work from home and four-day work week thing started like um, picking up like a buzz. And... What one of my staff said, uh, called me and said that I was from the ice age. And basically she said that she'd saw uh, on LinkedIn that Elon Musk, Alan Sugar, Tim Cook from Apple and me were all talking about how work from home doesn't work. And she said how that we were from the ice age. And I said to her, just name those names again. You, Alan Sugar, Tim Cook, uh, you know, Elon Musk. I thought, I'll stick with them. I'll stick with that group that you just named. I have never met a rich person, a successfully rich business person who believes in working from home. 
I've only ever met poor people who believe in working from home. Isn't that weird? The media doesn't talk about that. I've never seen any statistics that uh, you can be more productive at home than you can in the workplace. I've never seen any statistics that you can be more productive on a four-day work week. But this woke narrative plays to people's lazy side that you can get the same or get about the same for doing less. Of course, people want to do less work because they can I don't know, do whatever the hell it is they do with their extra days. But what they don't realize is they then become a slave to their environment. They'll have less money. They'll control. They'll have no control over their own destiny. And companies will always flex to find people who will work hard, who will work for better production and all of those types of things. So careful what you wish for with the with things like ChatGBT and AI and outsourcing all so readily available. If you want more pay and higher management for doing less work, careful that your job doesn't disappear. And I might sound like an old dinosaur. I might sound like I don't know what I'm talking about. But I understand this, that the tougher you get right now and the more of a savage you can become, the higher up the corporate infrastructure you're going to become because everyone else is getting weaker. Everyone is so weak now that they wouldn't say shit if it was in their mouth. If you say that's not your best work, you can do better than that, you get taken to the tribunal. You get in trouble. Now, the best managers I've ever had, the best business owners I've ever seen, the best mentors I've ever had have been the toughest on me. They've screamed at me. They've sworn at me. They've demolished my work at times. And I look back on it now and I'm so thankful I had them in my life because it made me the great businessman I am today. If they pussyfooted around me, didn't say what they were thinking because they didn't want to hurt my feelings. They didn't want, I don't know, whatever to happen. They didn't want me to be stressed or whatever. Would I be here today, a multimillionaire? I don't think so. If you want to be successful, you're going to have to hear things you didn't like. You're going to have to work longer and harder than you would like. If you want it easy, you will never be successful in business. If you want it easy, you'll never be successful in life. You can go and work in a souffle-ridden, dog-bringing-in, work-from-home environment, whatever it is you want, but don't come crying to me when you're poor and you've got to go on benefits and you need to know about social security and all of these sorts of things because it will happen. Don't try and get more for doing less. The maths doesn't stack up. If someone is resonating with this conversation, they're feeling pumped, yep. they're feeling excited, but like, like all motivation, it does eventually die off and their own reality hits them mm. and they think, oh, I really wish I was like Mark. I really wish I was like Alan Sugar. I really wish I was like a Richard Branson who just sort of bit down on the gum shield and marched forward even when times were tough. What is the advice that you can give someone today to become a lot more resilient? Oh, gosh. First of all, look after your health and your mind. Your health is so important to you. If you don't realize how important your health is, look for someone who's lost their health recently. You, you realize quite quickly that your mind and your body, you only get one of them and you must look after them. Then the second thing is to have goals. Write those goals down and make them audacious and big. When I look at the, if I could go back in time and only give myself two pieces of advice, it would be to write my goals down and make them as 
big as possible and to change the people I was hanging out with. If I could do those two things, I'd probably be a billionaire right now, not a millionaire. So look after your body and your mind, look after your health, write your goals down and make them as big and as scary as possible because you would be absolutely shocked how easy it is to achieve things once you write it down your mind will look for ways to bring it into your life your mind will do a lot of the work without you even noticing it will start bringing in opportunities and people in your life to achieve the goals once you know what they are and change the people that you hang around if you have the right people around you you're getting yourselves into the right environment and you have goals and you've got a good mindset and a healthy body anything is possible And let me tell you, when you're in that gym and you're pushing yourself on the treadmill, on the weights, in the boxing gym, wherever it is, you learn how to push yourself at tough times. I try to go to the gym every day, okay? And every day I try to find myself in that position where I want to quit and I try to push through that. I do push through that. If you're not going to the gym at all and you're not getting yourself into an environment where you're struggling at any point in your week, you're never going to be successful. If life is so easy that you're just sort of floating day to day and it doesn't feel uncomfortable at any point, you're not successful. You're never going to make it because life is going to throw some shit at you at some point. I don't know what that is, business, life, health, whatever. And the more that you're geared up for that in here, in your mind, the more easy you'll get through that with more ease and the more successful you can take on anything because the challenge is always the same. It doesn't matter if it's in the gym or in business or with your partner or with your kids. The challenge is always in your mind and it's do I run away from this or do I confront it and push through the pain? And it's people that embrace pressure, embrace the stress and are able to cope with that more easily that go on to be more successful. But as you rightly said, we now live in a society where if it gets hard, it's okay to quit. It's okay to be fat. It's okay to be this. It's okay to be whatever. It's not. It's not okay. Because what are we creating? You know, if it kicks off with one of these countries where they aren't woke, we're fucked. Because some of the people I look around in the streets here, I don't want to be going to war with this fucker next to me because you're a quitter. You've got quitter written all over you. I want to go with people like you where I know it's going to be a bastard of a time, but we're ready. And that's what I worry about because these these big gangster countries must be looking at what's happening in America, what's happening in the UK and laughing at us, laughing because it is not okay to not live a life of fulfillment and success and live out your dreams. As far as I know, we get one go around and you can be whatever you want. And if you speak to the right people, you realize you can live an unbelievable life. You can do whatever you want here and you can have it all if you understand how to do that and you structure your setup in the right way. But you've first got to want more. You've got to push yourself more. And that's where I believe. And that's why I go around doing these podcasts because I want to encourage people to be more than they are today and not just sit there and be a lazy fuck and try and get everything for free because that's a life of regret. That's a life of failure. And that's you're a loser. And I want to take more losers and create more people who make society a fantastic place to live. And actually, when they go to the ground, They've lived a great life and they're happy and fulfilled. 
Yeah, and they can reflect on their life and say, you know what, I gave it a good go. Oh, yeah, I was in the arena, you know, I had a go. I got a six-pack once in my life. I made a million quid. I, I bought a Ferrari and I realized I, it wasn't about the money. All of these things, rather than, you know, living in some shithole saying money's not important. Well, you've never had money. So don't tell me money's not important if you've never had it. If Alan Sugar turned around to see you and said, money's not important, money's not happiness, I'd probably say, fucking really? Well, I, I'm listening, but no one who's had money's ever said that to me. <laughs> Only poor people. You know, it's like when fat people tell you that, you know, there's, you, there's more than going to the gym. You know, why are you going? You're going to the gym again? Didn't you go yesterday? You don't hear that from fit people, healthy people. So be careful who you take advice from, really, and just push yourself because you don't know how great you can be. And that... I guess where I'm coming from is my frustration is every single person that you come across, you don't realize what they're capable of. Everyone's got so much they can give to the world, so much they can give to society, but they're just not taking enough risks. They're not pushing themselves enough. And now it's okay not to do that. You get a blue ribbon for finishing fifth now. And damn, that's a shame. I had... Um a high performance coach on my podcast for the second time, actually, a guy called Ruben Tabarez, David Hayes, former uh, strength and conditioner and nutritionist. He used to be George Groves, Tiny Tempers, Dynamo, wow. John Terry, Dina Asher-Smith. I mean, the list is endless. Uh, Jeremy Piven. I mean, just so, so many great iconic people. And he said that a lot of people, and this is relatable to winning in life and business and being a success, they wake up and they say to themselves, I'm hungry. You're not hungry. You're in a fasting state. So you, you fast and it feels like you're hungry, but you need to fast. And that you get the best out of your body. And then when in the gym, they're like, oh, I feel fatigued. I feel tired. No, you're growing. You're going through growing pains. And these two kind of feelings that, are dressed up as painful, negative, and I need to do something else to combat that. No, you need to embrace it and understand that these feelings are basically improving you as an individual. It's your interpretation, it's your self-chatter. So when things do get tough, is it really tough or is it just a change that you're going through? Yeah. And it's a little bit unknown. And I think boxing, I think competing, I think doing sports, I think in having good conversations like this makes you realize that all the most successful people in the world from the Alan Sugars to the Floyd Mayweather to the Conor McGregor's to the Richard Branson's, they've gone through this process before. Yeah. And it's healthy and, and it's important to realize One that. thing to pick up on is I've been very lucky in my journey to, to meet many, many successful people. And, and I, I, I'm talking about success in sport and business mainly because that's the environments I'm, I sort of hang around. And what I've found is they're all people who are successful aren't looking for success, they're looking for growth. They're always trying to be better than they were yesterday. And I think when you come across someone, when you meet someone or you have a conversation with someone who aren't interested being better today than they were yesterday, it comes across as lazy to a successful, what I call a successful person. I'm not looking to be rich. I'm not looking to be number one necessarily. I'm looking to be better than the person I was yesterday, physically, mentally, spiritually, financially. And I'm just looking for improvement. And that's why you see people climbing mountains and doing all these things because they're looking to just experience things and grow constantly. And they're the people like Richard Branson and, and people like that who think big 
and then they come back into normal society and feel like they can do anything. And the truth is they can because they've opened their mind up to a growth mindset. And you just need to expect more and want more for yourself and the rest will take care of itself. For sure. I'm going to ask you a really random que- <laughs> Go question. Go for it. Yeah. So early 30s, yep. sold a company for X amount of millions of pounds. Yeah. Business partner with uh, Lord Allen Sugar, came into the country from Australia. Mm-hmm. Basically bankrupt or almost bankrupt. Correct. Went on to this show. Yep. Absolute hit. Become semi or, or famous. Well, you know, some people say you're really famous. Some people say, whatever, you've got a great profile. You've come into this country, right? And we've got the 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 royal family. Yes. Yeah? Yeah. So my question to you, because you may think this is a random question, but Sir Alan Sugar, Lord Alan Sugar, knows these people, yeah? Yeah. And you've probably been in dinners or probably been around certain royal, royal people. Yeah. Meghan and Harry. <laughs> I've never been asked about this, this before. This, this question, being an Australian man, yeah. now a very successful one, and rolling in... Circles that are kind of attached to the royal family. Yeah. What's your take on Meghan and Harry? Uh, first of all, I've never been asked this and I'm, I'm dreading this uh, this moment. So this is great. This is a period of growth. Um, I'm a bit of a diehard royalist and I don't know why. I love the show The Crown on Netflix. I've always loved the Queen. I've always loved the establishment of the royals. I don't necessarily know why but coming from australia we looked up at england like our big brother like we always hear at school in australia about the royals and the king and the queen and all of the history of england that's like coming from the commonwealth so i always looked up to england and i guess in a way that's probably what drew me to living here um initially um i was thinking with the harry and Meghan stuff like this is a bit random maybe things have happened to them maybe they have a point and after his book and some of the interviews, I feel they've gone way too far. I feel the people that say they want no PR, but then relentlessly do every interview, every magazine, every newspaper to get their story out there, you want PR. Um, I feel like the things, the mud that they've slung at the royal family is first unprofessional, but secondly, things that they're saying happen in every family I've ever met, ever but you just don't go and do a podcast or a or an interview and talk about those things that happen behind closed doors in families. That's part of being in a family. Most people are just not famous enough or have a profile to do an interview about it. He said that uh, Harry was saying his brother came in and pushed him or punched him. I mean, my brothers could write a Churchill's War Room volumes on all of the fights that we've had, but no one cares because we're not royal family. Every brother ever has punched their brother. Every parent ever has said something to their kids that's maybe slightly inappropriate. That is the nature of families. And I think that the more that that stuff gets out in the media and is open for interpretation, the worse it is. I believe that people should keep things like that to themselves, sort it out internally, and there's things that shouldn't be spoken about in the media. That gets respect. The person who can stay quiet can stay humble, can be respectful and sort things out behind the closed doors is a powerful person. That's why the queen was such the OG, because she was professional. The stuff that that lady probably knew, she knows where all the bodies are buried. She knows she would have known so much stuff. You didn't see her coming out doing 60-minute interviews, airing out her dirty laundry, and that got her respect. The most powerful people don't know when to open their mouth. 
They know when to keep it shut. Sometimes being quiet says far more than, than being out there. That totally resonates with me. Um, what do you think? What's your view? Well, look, I was going to ask you this next question, right? Um, I'm no expert in the royal family. I'm no expert in, in the monarchy. I'm no expert in Harry's personal life and Meghan's. Um, I just, as someone that lives here and someone who's on social media and someone that every so often may pick up a little bit of news here and there, you can't escape it. It's oh. in your face. You'll go into a bar or a restaurant or you get a black taxi in London and someone's talking about it. Yeah. And, and, and therefore you start to form an opinion. Yeah. Okay? My take is this. They want it to become anonymous, step almost back from the limelight, but yet they're receiving millions upon millions upon millions of dollars for a Netflix documentary and to go on to the Oprah Winfrey uh, podcast or, or show. Don't you think that's a bit of a, a conflict, them going on to something like the Oprah Winfrey show and doing a, a podcast? Yeah, I think the first thing I should say is, is you are right. Every dinner I go to, taxi I get into, people ask me about this. The first thing I should say is I don't give a fuck. Um, I don't care about Same. it uh, at all. Um, my view is that they do want to be hugely famous. They do want to be hugely famous. There's no doubt about it. Because if you wanted privacy, you would move to Canada or America or wherever and you would keep your mouth shut and disappear and it'd be fine. You wouldn't write a book. You wouldn't go on every interview out there and you wouldn't, you wouldn't keep telling your story and adding in new information that gets picked up by the media every five seconds because that's gonna, if you're that famous, every new story you tell is going to create a news cycle. They know what they're doing. They're being managed through a PR process and it's creating headlines and it's creating animosity and conflict, which is creating more and more of this stuff to get them deals with Netflix or whoever. And I just think that makes me value what they say less. I think people, he should have stayed here. I think Harry's going to regret this massively. You, if you're part of that institution, you don't want to leave it. Let me tell you. They, I'm sure it, elements of it are tough and there's elements of it that are hard. But let me tell you, go and live in a council flat in you know South London. It ain't like living in Buckingham Palace. They haven't got it as tough as they think they've got it. They've got it pretty good. And I'd say the majority know that. Uh, I think Harry's going to realise that. He's got con by this bird to take him god knows we're out of the royal family out of the uk lose all of his titles all of his stuff and start slagging them off they're never letting him back in you can't sling that much mud and get back in but i just think you know sometimes better left less said better result and the last thing on the on this note i mean would you just to conclude this then would you would you say in your own words that megan has exploited her position and basically bullied Harry. Oh, a hundred percent. I mean, when I look at that um, poor boy, I, I actually feel a bit sorry for him because she reminds me like of some girlfriends or partners I've had in the past. I can see those types of people coming a mile off. He maybe wasn't thinking with Harry's head and thinking with other parts of his body and he's been absolutely swoon and done all sorts, said anything, done anything to follow this young lady. And I think he's going to hugely regret it. I think he's been conned. I think he's been manipulated by her, If is my opinion. That's a fair opinion. The other thing, uh, which is a random conversation, but I want to ask you this. Since I last saw you, we had the World Cup. Yes. Argentina. 
won the World Cup. So yeah. my question I'd like to ask you right now, Mark, is Ronaldo or Messi, who is the better player? Oh, well, I was out in Qatar for the World Cup um, following the Socceroos, which is the Australian uh, football team. We did really well. Um, before going to the World Cup, I was a staunch Ronaldo fan staunch Ronaldo fan and I used to debate this topic vigorously and I was always Ronaldo always Ronaldo and I was a man United and I am a United fan um, I'm up at United this weekend so um, happy when he came back weird how he left and watching Messi transition as he changed and grew throughout the World Cup it felt like he was building and my opinion sort of changed to too hard to tell. And I don't want to give that answer, but I was a Ronaldo fan going in and I'm probably 50-50 today. Do you think uh, a footballer winning the World Cup, Messi winning the World Cup, does it make him the ultimate GOAT? I think so. I think you're right. I think it has to come down to results because success is results, right? Um, and I think winning that World Cup is something... And Ronaldo knew that walking off and that's why he was crying and so furious at the end. Arguably, Ronaldo doesn't have the same team around him in Portugal and that argument can be made. But I think Messi has won... Has probably won more with the Copa America, now the World Cup and, and what he did with Barcelona. So I'd say he's probably the GOAT. So to conclude this podcast, Mark, I've really enjoyed this chat. What does a man do now who's a father, who's had the boxing fight, who sold a business with Alan Sugar for 10 million, a quote by the son? What do you do with all that money and all that free time? Whatever I fucking want. That's I do whatever I want every day. Uh, travel where I want, do what I want. Most important thing in my world is my family and uh, spending time with them. But I'm looking for businesses now that give me passion, give me that purpose, give me that motivation. And I'm looking for things that excite me. I just want to do something big next. I want to make it um, successful. And I want to be back here in another year's time looking at the changes that have happened in your world and business because it's going pretty bloody well. It certainly is, my friend. I asked you uh, your take on a quote last time. I don't know if you remember this. So I've got a mantra. Be happy, never content. Yep. Now, I know what you said last time, but if I were to ask Mark Wright, now the business person who sold the business, climb online for 10 million pounds or thereabouts, what does be happy, never content mean to you now? The summary of what we've just talked about, push yourself forward every single day because happiness comes from growth. You will be happy if you're not content. And like we just talked about, if you're sitting back, being content, being happy, it won't be too long before you're miserable again. Find something, find people that challenge you, that push you to be better. Strive for better every day and you'll find happiness. Top man. Mark? Mate, thanks for having me back. Thank you very much. I really enjoyed this uh, episode. And to my viewers, subscribers, be happy, never content. Share the episode with friends and family. And let's make sure that we can scale this episode. Thank you very much. Thanks, Stephen. Nice one.